In the world of manufacturing, change is the only constant. How are small and medium-sized manufacturers, SMMs, to keep up with new technologies, regulations, and other important shifts, let alone leverage them to become leaders in their industries? Shifting Gears, a podcast from CMTC, highlights leaders from the modern world of manufacturing, from SMMs to consultants to industry experts. Each quarter, we go deep into topics pertinent to both operating a manufacturing firm and the industry as a whole. Join us to hear about the manufacturing sector's latest trends, groundbreaking technologies, and expert insights to help SMMs in California set themselves apart in this exciting modern world of innovation and change. I'm Greg Profesich, Director of Advanced Manufacturing Technologies at CMTC, and I'd like to welcome you. In this episode, I'm joined by California Council for Excellence Vice Chair, Dr. David Spong, and Denise Shields, Principal of the Shields Resource Group. David and Denise explain what the Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award is, what happens when a company receives the award, and the impact of the Baldridge process, not only on quality and productivity, but on company culture. Welcome, David. I appreciate you being here with us today. Here too. Thank you for the welcome. Welcome, Denise. It's great to have you here. Thanks so much, Greg, and uh, thank you for the opportunity for David and I to share our Baldridge and California Baldridge program story with you today. We're looking forward to hearing the details. David, can you take a minute or two to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. My name is David Spong. I uh, had the privilege of leading two divisions of the Boeing Company that received the Malcolm Baldrige Award some four years apart. I sit on the board of the Malcolm Baldrige Foundation. I sit on the board of California Council for Excellence. I uh, have sat on the board of the American Society for Quality. I've sat on the board of the Technology for National Institutes of Standards and Technology. So I have lots and lots of experience in manufacturing. And some direct experience with the Baldridge process in the framework. Absolutely. Excellent. So Denise, can you uh, take a minute or two and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I actually was in the uh, Fortune 100 world for a few years. And while I was there, I discovered Baldridge because one of our customers was using Baldridge. It was General Electric and asked us to do so as a supplier. So we were sort of handed the opportunity without any sort of option but to use it. And what I discovered is the darn thing works. So fast forward to today, that was in 1998. Today I'm a master certified examiner for the National Baldridge Program called the Baldridge Performance Excellence Program. And I'm also serving as chair of the board uh, for the California Council for Excellence, which is a state Baldridge program here in California, serving all of our state memberships. Well, thank you both. I'm excited to have you here and I'm excited about our conversation today. I'm looking forward to hearing your perspectives and your insights. So let's get started. We're here to talk about the Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award, and in particular, how the award can offer benefits and competitive advantage to manufacturers across California. I think we've all heard about the Baldridge Award at a high level. It's been around for 40-some years now, right? But let's get into some detail. What exactly is the Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award? Denise, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Okay, Greg, thank you. First of all, the award itself was passed by Congress in 1987 um, underneath the leadership of President Reagan. At the time, our country was losing manufacturing opportunities to Japan. Uh, I think we all know the Chevrolet and Ford stories versus Nissan and Toyota. Mm -hmm. And so Malcolm Baldridge actually put a focus on improving Americans' competitiveness in the international marketplace, especially with manufacturing. So manufacturing was the first category of the Baldridge Award, and it was trying to improve our own 
outcomes with quality and other areas of performance so that we could excel in the international marketplace. So fast forward, that program has now been expanded by Congress to service and education and healthcare, nonprofit government. There's not a sector available in the United States that does not have the ability to compete for that award. However, a few years ago, Greg, they actually changed the title to the Baldridge Performance Excellence Program, and the award process is part of that program. And the reason they changed the name of it is they wanted to de-emphasize the name award so that organizations just weren't using it to compete because the beauty of the Baldridge is actually about the process of continuous improvement. It's really not about Mm -hmm. the award. That's where the cherry on top, but the process of of growing your organization and becoming more profitable and increasing customer satisfaction, increasing employee retention and satisfaction and quality outcomes and all the things that are important to organizations, really what the Baldridge focuses on. And those organizations that do that really well end up actually receiving an award. So, so I, I have some questions later about, you know, the internal benefits, the external benefits, et cetera. But it sounds like it's more about the process than about the event, right? The award ceremony isn't it. The award ceremony is a nice recognition of something a whole lot deeper. Yeah, it is a whole lot deeper because it's really about improving your organization, regardless of what industry you're in. And obviously, if any organization wants to win an award, that's great. But very few organizations actually set out just to win the award. They really want to be good enough to qualify to win the award. I think that's a key point. So, David, you've been through the Baldridge process a couple of times. Tell us a little bit about what happens for a company when they receive the award. How does their world change? It is not really the way the world changes. Their business changes and their culture will change. They will all like to go to work more than they did before. But most importantly, your business results will be absolutely wonderful. And the reason I say that is in the scoring criteria for Baldrige, the most points are awarded are based upon your results. If you don't get good results, you cannot receive an award. You cannot get recognition. So it's ultimately all about results. If you go back to how does your world change, all of a sudden you become a very high-performing company in the business world. And I'm not talking only business. I mean, healthcare organizations, everyone. They're satisfying their customers. They are making money. They're covering their expenses. And the employee culture is awesome. I've listened to 20 years of companies who have received recognition describing their performance and what happens. And every one of them says, it's the culture. Culture enables great performance. I used to think it was a byproduct. I think today it is necessary that the culture change in order that you can achieve this wonderful world-class business performance. Greg, if I can add on to that a little bit, I've had the fortune of working with many organizations that have actually received the Baldridge Award. In fact, David was one of a client that I worked with as well, but I actually have more Baldridge recipients than any other consultant west of the Mississippi in the country. So my experience with that question about how does their world change, I agree with David, it's really about their business change. But overnight, you know, when the president of the United States presents the award to you, you are automatically denoted as an American best practice in whatever category your business is in. I'm thinking about a charter school that happens to be here in California in San Diego. And their mission is to take kids that are kicked out of high school. And yet they have a high school graduation rate of 98%. So you think other charter schools could learn from them? Absolutely. 
So nobody had heard of him, right? Unless you're in California, you know, or in San Diego. But when they won the Baldridge, they're sitting on stage with the President of the United States and the President's office is saying, you're an American best practice. And part of the obligation that David himself did and, and the charter school and others that win, you are obligated for a year to tell your story and to share your best practices with others. That takes place at conferences. It takes place through personal limitations. I know that Mary Bixby, the president and CEO of the Charter School of San Diego, had numerous speaking requests. People want to learn from you because you are suddenly an expert, even though you've been the expert all along, but now you've got the fame that goes along with it. So I would just like to share that I agree with what David says. It's about the culture, but there is an external component of an unbiased group of examiners associated with the Baldrige Award. And that's true here in California too, the California Council for Excellence Examiners that are going into your organization and assessing you based on this, the finest criteria in America and giving you a score and, and letting you know how you perform relative to that criteria. And if you score well, you're a leader in the field that you're in. So I do think there's an external component to especially the leadership team, because suddenly everyone agrees that you are the best. Another customer of mine is Momentum Textiles out of Irvine, California. And Momentum, if you sit on a Starbucks or a Marriott, that's the fabrics that they create. They're incredible. They have 60% of the American marketplace for fabrics. So yet they have less than 100 employees, very small organization. And they wanted to grow and they were meeting with investors. The day they won the Baldridge, they had investors knocking on their door. So again, mm-hmm. it's just this overnight sensation of credibility that really comes with winning the award. Wow, that's an impressive set of benefits that kind of go along with it, right? Not only does your quality improve, not only does your cost and performance improve, but your organizational culture changes to be one of a high-performing organization focused on quality, focused on customer needs, focused on cost performance. And you also get the notoriety. And so the best practices sharing that you have come from, I I suppose, the best practices learning that occurs throughout the process. So we'll get into that in a little more detail. Sounds like there are a lot of, of benefits, both tangible and intangible that go along with the process. So tell us a little bit about the history a little bit. And, and again, we're focused on manufacturers. So, you know, I know that Baldridge is across many different uh, industries now, but how many companies have applied for the Baldridge Award? How many have been, have been awarded since its inception? And uh, of those, what's the percent of manufacturers? And, and has that changed recently? I will say that looking at small to medium-sized manufacturers is what I really focused on because of your audience for this podcast. And it's really about 22%, which is about obviously almost a a quarter of the applicants are small to medium-sized manufacturing organizations that have applied for the award. And also, if you look at all the years between 1988, which is the first year that President Reagan actually presented the award to today through 2020, the number of applications for manufacturers was 360 in total. And that's composed of a total audience of 1,767. So basically, what we're looking at is a combination of manufacturing and small business. In small business, it was 385 total recipients. So that's over 700 right there with just those two. So it's a major component of the award. Now, healthcare has the last seven years really increased their participation. And that's actually part of the award history because healthcare with Obamacare changed the way that they get reimbursed and the reimbursement rates for healthcare today by the insurance companies and the Center for Medicaid and Medicare is impacted 
by performance, actual customer satisfaction performance called HCAP mm-hmm. scores, which we won't go into. But bottom line is that healthcare is a really huge applicant today, trying to improve their quality and performance excellence statistics as well. But manufacturing is definitely one of the largest categories, actually the largest category of all the applications. I would just encourage that organizations here in California know that Baldridge was founded based on manufacturing segment and continues to be actively involved. So we would welcome coaching and working with them and sharing more details with them about the California Council for Excellence and the Baldridge process here in California. Thank you, Denise. Anything to add, David? The only thing I would do is actually go back to your previous question. And I sort of didn't share my experience On the first program that I worked on where we use Baldridge started in around 1991. And this was a program called the C-17 program. If you watch the evacuations from Kabul, you saw my C-17s doing that evacuation with 700 people sitting on the floor of those wonderful airplanes. And when I arrived there in 1991, the program was in deep, deep trouble. It was threatened with cancellation. We had orders only for 40 airplanes and we weren't going to get any more unless we performed. And in 1991 is the year that McDonnell Douglas started using the Baldrige program. And in fact, James Sanford McDonnell, who was running the company, he was one of the founding members of the Baldrige program. And they said we would use it. And so we did use it because they told us to. And we went in six years and we then eventually we received the award. By that time, we had orders for 180 aeroplanes. Customer loved it. Our shareholders loved it because we were making money. (laughs) And yet today I get people contacting me on LinkedIn. They find my name. And the thing they want to tell me was the C-17 program was the best program they ever worked on in the 40 years in the business. Everyone is happy. The culture is there. The people love it. The customer loved it. And just for reference, we built 268 airplanes after being told we only get 40 if we perform. That's what Borders does for you. It turns a program that was in the mud into a world-class organization, a world-class product. A lot of organizations think because of the focus on the word award, that you have to be really, really good. In fact, someone said to me recently, well, we're not good enough to get started. I said, well, let me tell you about David Spong. Because David, when I've heard you tell that story before, I've heard you use the example, you know, when you're at the very bottom of the pit, the only way to look is to look up. That's how it was because the Air Force was threatening to cancellation with you. So it's really a program that can help your business recover from any source that it has and excel and become a world-class best organization. David's been a little bit humble too, because the Department of Commerce is where the Baldridge program resides in the government structure, and more specifically in a department called NIST, the National Institute for Standards and Technology. And NIST and the Department of Commerce have actually named a National Leadership Award after David because he's the only man in America that has won the Baldridge twice, both for manufacturing and service. Other companies have won it twice. It was for the same organization applying more than once. And David's the only one that has what we call the Double Baldridge Award. So I have to tout his experience a little bit there because he's too shy to do it. Thank you, Denise, for that and for sharing that background and that breadth of of experience that David brings. I think it's an incredibly impressive turnaround story, really. Sounds like the Baldridge process 
not the award, the process of getting to the award, right, is what, what matters. What is it about that process that makes it work, that makes such a fundamental and significant change happen? The Baldridge criteria, Greg, has a maturity model associated with it. And I'll give you an example. There's four components of the maturity model where it comes to process. And the first component of the four is called approach. And basically, it's what's your process? So Baldridge is not a prescriptive criteria where they tell you this is what you should be doing. The Baldridge criteria is nothing more than a set of questions. For example, how do you assess customer satisfaction? An organization's approach might be, well, we have an annual survey and we do that survey to all of our customers on an annual basis and we get the results, et cetera. The second component of that four-staged process is called deployment. And the question with deployment as it relates to those customers is, do you have different segments of customers? And if you do, are you deploying that process across all those segments or just some of those segments? For example, if you think about a hospital, one segment could be an outpatient, another segment could be an inpatient. But to get full deployment, you should be really surveying both segments. Most organizations would think that their instinct would be that inpatients actually are more populous than outpatients. But usually in a hospital environment, patients are about 60% outpatient. So if you're not doing outpatients and just inpatients, you're only getting about 40% of your customer base. So we look a lot at deployment. The third component is called learning. So we've got approach, deployment, and learning, ADL so far. Learning is how do you look at those customer satisfaction results and actually learn and make different process changes based on what your customers are telling you? It's one thing to do a survey. It's another thing to be responding to the survey and make process changes for improvement. And the last component is I, which stands for integration. And how do you integrate those changes across your whole organization so they can be the best it can be. So what a lot of organizations do is they try to teach their employees these components of the Baldrige criteria so the employees are thinking about, okay, what is our approach? What is our process? Is it fully deployed? How are we learning? How are we improving? And are we sharing this information across the organization? So one of the best tips I think David would agree with, because he did this himself, was to have internal employees become state examiners and learn the Baldrige process. So you're embedding that knowledge as part of your day-to-day work. So I think that it's not that the Baldrige itself, the criteria is itself prescriptive. It's a list of questions, but it's how you filter those questions in those four areas of process improvement, looking at the approaches, looking at if it's deployed appropriately, looking at the learning, looking at the integration. That's really the crux of it. So David, I'm going to throw the ball to you and ask you to add on, please. Yeah, I tend to talk examples. And as Denise said, the criteria is nothing but a long list of questions. And when you look at the questions as a neophyte, you can answer a few of them, or you think you can. Some of them, you realize that you don't know what the right answer is. And some of them, you don't have a clue. So now you're writing an application and you're trying to answer these questions. And I was particularly involved with leadership. One of the questions I'll paraphrase is, how do you install an ethical culture in your organization? How do you lead that? And you think, yeah, I'd like to have an ethical culture. How do I do that? And you realize you need to do it and maybe you're not doing it. And so then you start to develop communications such that people know that you stand for ethics and quality and all the good things that an organization needs to do. So these questions point you in the right direction. 
And I can still remember being involved with an application. And as I read the questions, I think, we don't do that. We should do that. Let's do that. Such that you hope by the time you get a site visit some six months later, you're actually doing it and you can brag about it. It is that giving you all that awareness of what you need to do and you know you're not doing. Now, sometimes you get a question you don't really understand. That's when you turn to your consultants, like Denise, and you say, what does this mean? What's a good process for that? And then you can start to benchmark with other organizations and learn how to do it. It is that constant reinforcement, that constant building. And the first time it took us six years to do it, The second time, it was a mere four years, but it's building on what you do and adding to it and just constantly improving. I like to say it was magic. It isn't, but it certainly had that appearance. That's a very good point that David brings up. And I will share with you that when Baldridge examiners look at the performance of a Baldridge applicant, whether at the state level or the national level, when we look at the results, we're looking at three to five years of trend data for results, not just one data point. And for Baldridge, we're looking for continuous improvement over time with those results. And we're also looking at how's your competitors? How do you perform in relationship to a McDonald Douglas, et cetera? So one of the things I think it's really important for your listeners to understand is if you use the Baldridge program, you will glean better results, whether it's quality, on time, supplier performance, employee engagement, customer satisfaction, financial results, ethics, as David just talked about, whatever those results are that you're aiming for, the ones that are important to you, those will improve over time because that's the beauty of the Baldrige. And that's why we do it. That's why I changed my entire career to focus on Baldrige because it works. It's like David says, it's not really this magic pill, but it certainly is successful. And we've got dozens and dozens of organizations that won the Baldrige And by the way, their applications are available online, and I can give you the link to that. So your customers can access those as it's part of the public database with the Department of Commerce. You can look at those results, and you will see trend data going up, 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 up. Now, sometimes you want results to go down, like with mortality. You you want (laughs) down results, not up results, but good results, positive results. Going in the right direction, right? Going in the right direction. Excellent. It sounds like it's a very in-depth kind of a lot of soul searching that's going to go on on the part of people going through the process. David, as you talk through some of those questions and, you know, we don't do that. Wait, we should do that. Hold on a second. Why don't we do that? (laughs) That's a great idea. That that kind of thing. It sounds like there's a lot of eureka moments like that, right? And so I'm curious, the small manufacturer versus big manufacturer. I know, Denise, you talked earlier about small manufacturers are some of the applicants, right? And, you know, uh, small manufacturers are are our focus here at CMTC. But is there any reason that the results... would be different or the benefits would be different or the challenges of doing it, applying for and go walking through the process would be different for a small manufacturer as opposed to a large. I think the best way to answer it is to compare and contrast. The first award we received, we received at the same time that a small manufacturer received an award, Texas nameplate. And this is, you know, in the last century, right? Tells you it's a while ago. And it was in 1999 that we received the award for our 1998 performance. And Texas Nameplate had no ability to make slides other than, you know, drawing them on a piece of paper. They were a 30-person company, and yet they received the award the same time we did. 
And my friend, Dale Cranover, who led that company, still does today. And we would compare, like, I don't know how you do it in a 20,000-person organization. And I'd say, I don't know how you do it in a 30-person organization. Mm -hmm. And the power was it worked in both. Now, the approach, in a sense, was a little different in that I had the budget to hire consultants like Denise and others. I had the budget to fund one or two internal people to help do this. Dale Cranov couldn't afford any of that. And so he went to the Texas state program and said, I want to be an examiner. Train me. So they did. And so he learned it himself. He followed it all through, learned what other organizations were doing and brought that back into his company and then developed internal experts who had their day job and their evening job. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that unkindly, but in essence, lots of people got additional assignments that ultimately they wrapped into their day job because audits became part of what they do, not something extra. The results they got were incredible, just like ours were. The culture was incredible. Since then, they applied again and won again, but they are still doing it today. And Dale, I can remember what he said. He was listening to the radio one day and heard about most family-owned businesses, rags to riches in three generations. And he said, I'm on my second generation. My dad started it. I don't want it to go out of business when my children take over. And so he did it to perpetuate his company, and it's still going strong today. So the simple answers to the question are the differences, only natural differences, but the results are the same. And it's just, you have to tailor it for the people and the resources you've got, but it's certainly just as achievable. And as Denise said, manufacturing's had 31. So right up there, they are winning awards and getting recognition just like the big boys are. Well, okay, that's impressive. So let's go a little more into depth, if we can. Let's talk about the application process. What kind of a commitment does an organization have to make in terms of resources to apply? I mean, David, you talked about consultants and dedicated staff, and then, you know, your friend at Texas Nameplate is going and, you know, becoming an examiner himself and then drafting people within his organization. But either way, there's a certain amount of effort that's going to go on. What kind of resources and what kind of time commitment, timeline? I mean, is it a six-month process? Is it a five-year process? Let's talk about those details. Honestly, it depends on where you start. So let me share with you, first of all, that it's very important for your listeners to understand that with the Baldrige process at the national level, I liken it to the Olympics. You have to qualify to compete at the Olympics. You have to qualify to compete at the national level at the Department of Commerce. So we have an alliance nationwide between the state programs and the national program. And so what happens is, and I'll use momentum um, because they're the closest to the small manufacturing organization you're speaking of. When they applied, they went through our state program first. And when they won our top level, which is what we call gold. And by the way, you used the word Eureka a while ago. We actually call it the Eureka Award. And that Eureka Award is the entrance to the national playing field. So what happens is organizations start in California. And when they win the gold level, they go on to compete at the national level. However, not every organization is ready or even wants to compete at the full 50-page Baldrige application at the Eureka level. So at the state program, our goal is a little bit different than the national program. At the national program, the goal is to identify America's best practices. So it's the top of the top. At the state level, our goal is to help you improve every single year. So we have a couple of different entry points. 
we certainly have the full 50 page application and to share with you another part of your question, you know, does it take four months or five years? There's organizations in California and it's a manufacturing organization called Solar Turbines, which is an organization owned by Caterpillar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Solar competed and won the very first year that they applied at the Bulbridge. But other organizations kind of want to take their time and they may have, like Boeing did, Boeing applied a couple of times before they won because they were fine tuning and improving every single year based on the examiner's feedback. So in California, you can certainly apply at the 50 page level. Every year we have organizations that do that, but we also have a shortened version of the application, which just makes it a little bit easier called the prospector. It's 25 pages. And we also two years ago founded, and we just had our first recipient of this Desert Springs School District in Palm Spring area. And it's the category only award where you would just select a category and it might be process. It could be employee of the workforce category, it could be leadership, strategic planning, whatever category you want to apply for and just start there. So our goal is to keep things as easy and simple as possible and to just help organizations get started. And actually, there is a conference coming up in San Diego on October 19th and 20th, 2022. There will be a Baldridge Regional Conference with organizations and speakers sharing their best practices, lots of conference time, getting to know people, asking questions. And the California Council for Excellence organization that David and I are on the executive board for is hosting that. So we would definitely encourage that. And we'll provide you a link to that conference information. But I would encourage your listeners, if they're interested in Baldridge, that's a great place to go and meet organizations that have won the Baldridge, both the state level, the national level. Uh, We always have best practices represented there. It's a really great opportunity to truly get to know more about this process. The only thing I would add is that when you go through the process, at the end, you get a feedback report. And the feedback report tells you your strengths and your weaknesses, except we don't call them weaknesses. We call them opportunities for improvement. And when you look at them, there's some of them that are sort of almost no-brainers, low-hanging fruit, let's call them. And if you have limited resources to apply, go for the low-hanging fruit. And the others will still be there and get to them when you can. But, you know, typically you come up with a priority of which things you can fix soon. And so apply your resources appropriately. We certainly did that. You can't fix everything in one go, but you can certainly know which is the stuff that you ought to get to first. So I think, again, you can tailor your resources to what is real for you. So it sounds in listening to both of you, the real value in this is regardless of whether I want to apply for the award, regardless of whether I want the notoriety, the process gives me an objective set of examiners who are going to give me honest feedback based on industry best practices, based on you know cross-functional expertise and knowledge to say, hey, these are things that would help improve your operation. It can be a helpful roadmap for continuous improvement, right? I get this list of opportunities. There's 22 of them. Well, the first seven are easy. They're low-hanging fruit. Let's do them this year. And then next year, when they're done, I've realized some opportunities. I'm making more money. I'm serving customers better. I'm building a culture. Let's revisit the next set and the next set and keep chipping away. It's a roadmap for incremental continuous improvement. Yes, absolutely. And I will add that uh, I'm thinking of one customer of mine, and I mentioned them before, Momentum, the fabric company. They had a really interesting approach. They did not at all apply. I had to talk Roger Arcinega, who's the president and founder of that organization, into applying for the Baldridge. And, and so the history was that they take the Baldridge criteria. 
they have 11 different departments in the organization. They have five key process and six support processes. Key process meaning sales and design for the fabrics, uh, examples Mm -hmm. of Support process, maybe HR, marketing, things like that. So they actually developed a little 10-page application, and they had each of their 11 departments apply internally every year. And this application was built on metrics, what the metrics were for those 11 departments that were all different. For sales, it was obviously sales. For HR, it was employee retention. Whatever the metrics were that was important for that department to contribute to Momentum's overall success, this award was designed. And then they would hire someone like me to review those 10 applications and give them prescriptive feedback, telling them this is what you need to do to improve your department. And these were tied to the employee performance evaluations. Now, if they won at the gold or platinum level, they didn't get money because Roger didn't feel comfortable giving them money for the award, internal award. But what he did is he gave them two or three days extra vacation. And let me tell you, that thing was internally so competitive, they ended up having a presidential dinner every year (laughs) and would go. And it was like Mm -hmm. so competitive. People wanted to improve. They wanted to be denoted in their own organization as a best practice. So I thought that was brilliant. And what happened over time as they kept improving, 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 I finally said to Roger, I said, Roger, you've got 60% of the U.S. market share in fabrics. You need to apply for the Baldrige Award because all of your results are outstanding. There was nothing that they didn't beat their competitors on. And he did. And two years later, they won the award. So you can use the Baldrige criteria in different ways, depending on what your internal motivation is. You can do, of course, apply for an award and win it. But you can also use it just internally to make yourselves better. And that's there's a, probably a dozen ways to slice and dice that approach. Absolutely. I think I want to resonate on this just a little bit more because I think this is a key point for the small to mid-sized manufacturers. I often will say, and I don't mean anything negative by this, but the average small to mid-sized manufacturer, and it's a generalization, so it's more wrong than right, but it makes a point. The average small to mid-sized manufacturer is so busy working in the business, they can't work on the business. Sarah, the owner and CEO is at her desk and she finds out that Joe just called off sick. He went home today. Sarah gets up from her desk and goes out and works the press break because Uh she's got to ship product because she's got to make payroll on Friday. If she doesn't ship, she doesn't make it. It's that kind of constraint, right? There's not a lot of extra leeway. So in that case, how do I do this? It can seem overwhelming. Well, number one, I don't have to think about it if I'm Sarah. I don't have to think about applying for the award. Right. I don't need the recognition. What I need is the continuous improvement that helps me build an organization and a culture. And that roadmap can help me get there. And if two, five, seven years into the process, I've improved so much that I could win the award, I could apply if I want, but I don't ever have to do that. Right. It's the criteria in the process, is what I'm hearing you guys say, that really is where the benefit is and really is where the value in this whole thing is. If that's the case, From the California Council for Excellence perspective, I think that you guys have broken into meaningful chunks, right? And we talked about the Eureka level, where it's the full 50-page application for kind of a state-level Baldridge award recognition. It's the prospector level at the 25-page app. Are there other subdivisions and sections, ways I can slice and dice the process so that I can start getting the benefit, whether or not it's on the eventual road to just improving my organization or applying for statewide or national recognition? Are there other ways to, to break this down into meaningful chunks? I would say the category only that I referred to is really meaningful. So there's a 50-page award that mirrors the Baldridge application. There's a 25-page prospector award. Underneath that is a category only. You would just apply for leadership or you would just apply for strategic planning. Instead of all the entire criteria. And David, do you want to talk about teams? 
Yes, CCE, California Council of Excellence, also offers another version that deals specifically with teams. And often, you know, a team will be focused on the process they need to improve. They need to develop a process where one doesn't exist. And again, we have a series of criteria around that where people can apply for a team's award and learn about how to develop processes and procedures and things of that kind. In particular, in small organizations, improve, you know, like lean and things of that kind that so often used, it's all about improving a process. And so we can recognize that, we can help with that, and we can help define the best way to do it. Okay, so there's lots of different ways to support available. There's lots of different structures and processes that can be followed to make this much more manageable. So then what are the mechanics of the process of actually being considered for an award if we went that far? Is it a proposal? Is it an on-site review? What happens to me? I mean, I'm the president of ABC Manufacturing. I want to go through the process. What's my life going to look like? So what I would recommend as a first step is to contact the California Council for Excellence. We can provide you the phone number as well as email address and speak to the program manager there and Find out what your goal is. Is your goal an award? Is your goal just to improve? Because our response to that question is going to vary depending on what your goals are. We have a tailor-made approach to every organization that we work with. Uh, We highly encourage membership with CCE because if you are a member, you're going to have access to our conferences, as well as all of the emails and national program announcements related to Baldridge. And so obviously the program manager can also get you signed up as a membership And we do our memberships based on size of the organization. So it would be inexpensive for a small manufacturing organization to become a member of our uh, great organization. So I just want to encourage people to think it's really as easy as making that first contact with CCE because we can handhold you and walk you through the process. Again, depending on what your goals are. What I don't want people to do is think, oh, I've got to go through this application process on my own. It can be a little daunting. As David has once said to me, Baldrige can be not for the faint of heart. But at the same time, that's the purpose of we're here. We're here to support organizations in California utilizing the Baldrige in the most friendly, easiest path possible. And so are there other organizations that can help out along that process as well? We are the only official Baldrige program in California. So there obviously are consultants that can help. And again, the California Council for Excellence has a pool of consultants that we can refer. Uh, David actually manages that process because I have a conflict of interest being that I am a consultant myself. So we actually ask David to manage that. And what he does is he listens to your needs and decides um, which location you're in, which consultant is closer to you. So you don't have to spend a lot of money on travel. Of course, a lot of consulting is now being done virtually, which is great and very effective, by the way. So we just want to handhold our members and make sure that they're getting the best of their membership from us by providing services and consulting to meet the organization's needs, whatever it may be. Let me jump in too, in that manufacturing organizations often have a very close tie to the American Society for Quality. Mm -hmm. And I was a member, I still am a member of ASQ. I was on the board for six years or some number like that. And what I found was lots of ASQ members are Baldrige examiners and lots of them work for companies, right? And so often small companies actually have a link already into the Baldrige program and probably CCE because we find a lot of the members are already examiners. 
And so I would ask someone in a small manufacturing company to look inside as well as look to CCE and maybe together you can find you have resources that maybe you didn't even know you had. So a lot of information we've covered today. Thank you very much for all the information. Is there anything else that you feel is important to cover before we wrap up? I just want to emphasize the importance of the purpose of the Baldrige program. And that's true of the California Council for Excellence as well, that our goal is to help organizations improve their business results, whether that be traditional quality measures, whether that be employee satisfaction, whether that be other types of metrics that your board or your own organization, such as financial, are important to you. Whatever those are, what we like to do is understand the organization itself and what's important to the organization, what are your key performance metrics, and then we help you get there. So we're only focused on improving organizations as our members. And I think that's the most important thing because a lot of organizations assume it's about the award, but it's really about the process and results. And then if those all happen, the award comes naturally, like it did for Momentum and like it did for the Charter School because their results were a result of their efforts in continuous improvement. I would like to add something. And again, it's a story. The first time I became involved with Baldridge, I was given this document to answer these questions. And I'd written a billion proposals in those days. So I answered the questions in the most optimistic way I could. I was selling, right? I was writing a proposal to get money from somebody. <laughs> and so I turned this in and we had some internal examiners and this very nice young lady came in and sat down and talked to me about it. And basically her message was nice try, but what's the truth? Well, you've got to be really objective when you answer these questions. And if you don't have a process, then admit it. Don't say you've got one because you did something, just like we did in proposals. So the beginning of this, the first time you're involved, you've got to be scrupulously honest with yourself to, to make sure that you identify what things you need to do to improve. And really, when you think about it, it's something you're doing for yourself and for your company to improve. You're not selling a proposal. That's what I was trying to do. I was lucky the young lady that came and talked to me was kind. I won't tell you what score I got. It wasn't very good. <laughs> well, David, thank you for that. Denise, thank you for that. I'm going to try to do a quick summary here. And if I, if I miss anything, feel free to add in at the end. But to kind of wrap up, so let's talk a little bit about what this is all about. It's all about the Baldridge Performance Excellence Program, formerly known as the Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award. The purpose here is to help organizations improve their business results, whichever of those business results they want to focus on, or all of their business results across the board. And Baldrige has a history of, you know, trying to improve quality back from the 80s when Japanese steel was taking over and Japanese companies were, were, were kind of beating us at the quality game based on all the learning they got from the Durands and the Demings as they rebuilt after World War II, right? But it, it came through to full circle of fruition and we realized we had to do something. And so Congress passed the act in 1987. President Reagan was the first one to do Baldrige Awards. And it's been a very effective tool 
for companies to improve quality, and it can result in some very significant changes. Creating a high-performance organization in terms of cost performance, quality performance, customer satisfaction, as well as the organizational culture. It really sounds like from this conversation that the culture is the really the main driver and the main benefit because that culture of continuous improvement, that culture of looking at things and developing process and trying to put metrics on them and be able to always tie it into the results is what's being built here. And so it becomes an American best practice. Uh, I think that there's the term Denise used, right? And, you know, w- when you win the award, if you were to apply and win the Baldridge Award, you would be known as American best practice. You would be known as the best of the best in, in a given area in your given industry. And so the process is based on an unbiased group of examiners and they assess and give scores and they give feedback. So it's not a one-time application and you either pass or fail. It's a one-time application and you get feedback and you can apply again the next year and the next year until you've got it, right? And the importance isn't that you've applied in one or not. The importance is that you're showing that track record of continuous improvement. And whether that track record of continuous improvement is for external purposes and notoriety or just for improving your business and building a more sustainable, long-term, scalable organization, you get benefit from it. And so manufacturing are the largest set of applicants, I think, still to date. Small and mid-sized manufacturers are upwards of 22% of the applicants, if I have these numbers correct from our conversation. And so just because it's a small company doesn't mean that the Baldridge criteria is too much or the time commitment or the resource commitment is too much. It can be done and is frequently done by small to mid-sized manufacturers. The four-stage process that we talked about a little bit, the approach, deployment, learning, and integration where in the approach is, you know, looking at processes and do you have them and are they well-defined and how do they work and how well do they suit you? And then deployment, do you have those processes in place across all of the markets and all the departments that you should? And then the learning process, you know, based on the process changes that you would make in the process as you deploy things and based on the feedback that you get, you make process changes and improve things. And then how well do you integrate that into your learnings? And so from a high level, how the Baldridge Performance Excellence Program looks at a company, you know, do we have an approach? Do we deploy that approach? How do we learn from that approach and that deployment? And then how do we make sure we integrate that fully across the organization? I think that's what I gleaned anyway as the high level pieces here. And so, you know, we talk about the Baldridge Performance Excellence Program, and it's at a national level, but there's also things that are done at a state level. And Denise reminded us that and shared with us that uh, it's like the Olympics. You have to qualify for the national competition at the state level. And so there are ways you do that, and it can be broken into a number of manageable, more bite-sized chunks, if you will. And the California Council for Excellence has the Eureka level, which is the highest level where you're applying for kind of a state-level Baldridge award, or the prospector level, which is a shorter 25-page application, or the category only where you're looking at just one category at a time. And so, you know, in terms of incremental steps, maybe I do leadership first this year and I take strategic planning next year and then I take the next category and work through the next categories over a series of years. My business improves all the while. And at some point, if I want to, I can apply for the award. And it's really not, again, about the award. It's about improving business results. That is the whole purpose of of the process in the first place. And so lots of resources available to help along the way. California Council for Excellence uh, here in California, and I believe other organizations across the nation are, you know, Baldridge um, sponsored or certified uh, for state assistance. And there's also lots of consultants out there who can help. And there is a conference coming up uh, later this year for California in San Diego in October. So did I miss anything there? Anything part of that summary that that I misstated? Two things I heard that I would maybe tweak a little bit. Sure. Um, when I say that the Boulder Performance Access Program title replaced the award, but I don't want 
it to sound as though we replace the award because the award process is actually part of the Baldrige Performance Excellence Program. Today. Right. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry and if I miss, misspoke there, but yes. But that's okay. It was just, it was very minor. I just want to tweak that and make sure that people don't think the award went away because it did not. It's very, very much in play. The second thing I would add is towards the end, we talked about the, you know, what's in it for me for an organization. When they're using the services of the California Council for Excellence, at some point, they will probably want to apply for a 50-page award because that's the only level that you actually have a team of examiners come out and visit you and provide you the, the feedback report that David was speaking of earlier. You want that external unbiased opinion of those trained people right. um, to give you their perceptions of how your Baldur's journey is going. And that's not consultants. Those are all volunteers with the California Council of Access Program. It's just an application fee. They're, you don't have to pay for their you know, consulting time or anything. It's just part of our, our membership and process. So I think the feedback report gives an organization strengths, as David said, things to celebrate and keep doing well. And also the opportunities for improvement. And David's right, we never call them weaknesses because opportunity sounds like you still fix it. I really think that the feedback report is at the end of the day, one of the tangible, real benefits of this whole Baldridge process. So I'd like, I would like to see that included. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. David, anything else other than scrupulously honest? I, I mean, that was the one thing I, I did want to put, I put in my notes here and I missed it as I went through the summary, but that I need to be brutally or scrupulously honest with myself about what really exists, what really doesn't exist. Do I have a process? Can I call it a really a, a defined process or is it kind of a way we kind of fill, follow it and we do it every day. So we must have a process. Well, no, <laughs> right. As you say, scrupulously honest. And to Denise's point, you know, typically at the end of the site visit, you'll get this feedback report. And the first, and by the way, the feedback report tells you your strengths and your office, right? And you see the strengths and you go, yeah, those are great. I agree with all that. And then you see the office and you say, no, that's not us. And you read a few more and then finally you just give up and say, okay, lay it on me. Tell, tell me what I don't do well. But you've got to go through that transition. You've got to be ready to accept that feedback, which, as I said, ultimately I did, begrudgingly. But in the end, yes, we accepted it and tried to improve. As you're talking there, I often think of, you know, the stages of grief or actually the <laughs> stages of change, right? Grief is just a massive and permanent change in your life, right? But first I'm in denial, then I'm yes. a little angry, and then I start bargaining. <laughs> <laughs> and you just you just kind of went through those steps as you talked about it, right? We all have to get to come to grips with the fact that we're not quite there and our, our organization has some work to do. And that's yes. actually good news, right? We've got yes. opportunities for improvement. We can make things better. We still have, you know, some, some opportunity to influence and control. And those are all good things. So David and Denise, it was great to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining me and for sharing your perspectives, insights, and expertise with me and with our listeners. Thank you so much for inviting us. We really appreciate the opportunity to share our story and hope your members benefit from that. Yes, and I'll, I'll just endorse what Denise said. Thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure to address you all today. And we are absolutely sincere. If you need help, we are here to help you. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining me with this conversation with David Spong and Denise Shields in discussing the Malcolm Baldridge Performance Excellence Program. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great day. Stay safe and healthy. Thank you for listening to Shifting Gears, a podcast from CMTC. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others and post it on your social media platforms. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast directory. For more information on our topic, 
please visit www.cmtc.com slash shifting gears. CMTC is a private nonprofit organization that provides technical assistance, workforce development, and consulting services to small and medium-sized manufacturers throughout the state of California. CMTC's mission is to serve as a trusted advisor, providing solutions that increase the productivity and competitiveness of California's manufacturers. CMTC operates under a cooperative agreement for the state of California with the Hollings Manufacturing Extension Partnership Program, MEP, at the National Institutes of Standards and Technology within the Department of Commerce. For more information about CMTC, please visit www.cmtc.com. For more information about the MEP National Network or to find your local MEP center, visit www.nist.gov forward slash MEP.